Hey, this is Joseph Massonary. I'm the pastor at Cornerstone, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope this helps you build your faith. I hope in some way that God will challenge you with a new perspective as you listen. Enjoy the message. Christmas is coming up, and we are going to have two nights of worship, a, a candlelight service. How many of you have been with us the last few years for our Christmas Eve? All right? It's going to be a wonderful time, and there's going to be some, some dance and some different things happening, but more importantly, we're going to just be sharing the light of Christmas. And so I just want to tell you, it's a wonderful time to be a bringer. Uh, it's a wonderful time to extend an invitation if there's somebody that you do life with at work, if there's someone, a restaurant you go to where there's a, a server that you, that you connect with, what a wonderful moment. You can invite them to Christmas Eve on the 23rd, or you can invite them to Christmas Eve on the 24th. So uh, we want you to, to know about that, and as we just jump into God's Word, this is an exciting time. How many of you love worshiping during the Christmas season? Um, and I, I mean, part of me goes, man, I just need to shorten up the messages for this month, and we're going to just do more Christmas carols, Christmas music, worshiping the Lord, because there's so many favorites that I, I feel like we don't even have time to get to, because the month just goes by so fast. But as we get into God's Word, welcome however you're with us. Can we welcome anyone watching online? And let's get into the Word, Luke, Luke chapter 1, the Gospel of Luke chapter 1. Would you open your Bible? Would you turn on your, your smartphone? And let's get into God's Word as we say Merry Christmas. Culturally, as we just get right into it here, there are a lot of benefits this month in our country, in our neck of the woods. If, if you are uh, you know, in the United States, usually Christmas involves a few perks, there are some, some social benefits, would you agree with me, to the Christmas season. There are gifts received and gifts given out that otherwise people would have not received during the month of December, usually at the end of the, the year. Many people benefit from this holiday that we call Christmas. There's some that, uh, let's, let's think about it, maybe you, you, there's... Uh, I remember the, the old days where there used to be these things called bonuses given out at work. Anybody, right? Somebody say amen, right? I heard that, right? right? Uh, maybe that used to be a thing, right? I don't know if that still is some places, right? But that's a possibility, maybe, right? Some of us are like, please, thank you, Jesus, name it and claim it. No, I'm kidding, we don't do that here. But perhaps uh, vacation time is given over the week of Christmas break. Hours are extended, right? Uh, uh, extra time with family is allowed. Uh, culturally, there's so many things happening all around us, but the reality is, if you are a Christ follower, you know that all of these things are happening around us because Jesus had a birthday. Would you turn to someone and say that? Jesus had a birthday, right? A day that, honestly, it, it ought to be recognized as it's like about Jesus all the time, but if you kind of have noticed, generationally speaking, uh, this, this day should be recognized for Jesus, but it's sadly turned into a parade of many, many other things. Not necessarily bad things, but could we agree there's 
potentially a lot of distractions, a lot of things that distract from Christ in Christmas, right? And when the Bible talks about Christmas, it's talking about a king that the world has never seen before. Uh, the Bible is talking about a king that decided to, to, by choice, lay and lie in a manger instead of sit on a throne. A king that actually came to the earth and chose to be powerless because he was just an infant boy, and yet we see he is so powerful because in those infant hands, he actually holds the power of life and death in those tiny little baby hands. And I bet they were pretty cute, too. How many of us love little chubby baby hands? And really, that is what Christmas is all about. Dr. Luke paints a picture for us. If you have your Bible, open it up to Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And we're going to see how Jesus' birth, what I love about the Gospels is that they all kind of have a, a, a different perspective of the same story. And Dr. Luke it gets very detailed with his description because he paints a picture that doesn't leave out real life problems. Uh, Luke talks about, he paints a picture for us of the real world. He, he mentions real people dealing with real problems. You know, even in, in the book of Luke in the New Testament, uh, he mentions politics, right? Real world, politics are going on, problems are going on, things are taking place that are not ideal, and yet we see that God interrupted this time in history, God interrupted this moment for all of those real problems, for all of those people. God came down, and that's just this plain story of Christmas. He didn't send his son just so we could you know, it's cool to hang the lights, it's cool to hang the garland, it's, it's fun, right? How many of us got our tree up over Thanksgiving break? There's nothing wrong with those things, but I think if we aren't careful, we, we clearly can see the message of culture where Christ is often left out of Christmas. If you have your Bible, let's read. The birth of Jesus foretold in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a village in Galilee to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Would you underline, would you circle verse 30? Because we're going to spend a few weeks over the, the coming Sundays ahead of us uh, seeing some interactions between this angel Gabriel and different people. And I love verse 30. It says this, don't be afraid, Mary. It's going to be a common theme. How many of us, uh, you know, when we think of angels around Christmas time, right? We have ornaments on the tree. Angels look so beautiful and cool, right? They look so precious, and I find it interesting that all, you know, usually throughout scripture, when an angel, uh, when there's an encounter with an angel, it's usually followed by the phrase, don't be afraid, right? Don't be afraid. I love that repetition. The angel told her, for you have found favor with God. Verse 31, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He'll be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. 
And if we stop right there just for a moment, and we're gonna, this is kind of going to be a reoccurring theme as well, but we often leave out a scripture like this because it says what Jesus came to do. Would you read verse 32 with me one more time? He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and then look at verse 33. It says, he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. See, often we love to talk about Christ in that cradle, right? The little king in a manger, but he came to reign. It's made very clear in this prophecy, right? He came to rule. He came to establish a kingdom dynamic. Well, as we know, here we go. You might know this, but verse 34, Mary asked the angel a very um, interesting question that I don't want to explain to my three girls, right? They're 10, 8, and 6, so we'll get there soon enough, right? We're kind of halfway there. We're, We're figuring these things out. But this is a very logical question she asked. She says, how can this happen? Because I am a virgin, um, head scratcher, right? She, she asks a, a, a normal, uh, scientific even, biological question, right? I think it's very, pretty logical at this point. How can this happen? I have not been with a man. This makes no sense. Uh, this, this is impossible to figure out. And no doubt if <laughs> this, this young bear has to be absolutely shocked by this news. Verse 35. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. And turn to someone, and would you just repeat verse 37? I think this is a, something, a truth to stand on. It says, for the word of God will what? Will never fail. The word of God will never fail. I love the Christian Standard Bible. It says this. It says, for nothing is impossible with, why don't you finish that off? God, right? I, I think I like that translation even better. Nothing is impossible with God. Has anyone wrapped up or already like, man, you, you, are, you are like a Black Friday shopper or a Cyber Monday assassin and your Christmas shopping is done? None of us. You guys are really participating today. You're like, I just, I just want to sing another Christmas song. No, I don't. Um, but I think of like gifts. Are, are you going to buy your spouse a gift, your daughter, your, your son, your kids, your grandkids? I'm guessing some of us will exchange gifts this Christmas, and that's a, a very fun tradition. I, and I, you know I, what I find is, I think it was a lot more fun when I was a kid. As an adult, it's fun to, how many parents would echo this? It's fun to watch your kid's reaction to opening up gifts, but dads in the house, sometimes it's, it's like, it's hard to manage our reactions too, right? Because when you see the gifts being opened, you're like, which credit card is that on? Which, right? <laughs> right, it's like things get opened up and you're like, oh, oh boy. Oh, we got that one too, right? What's the damage going to look like? Um, And we open up gifts and we exchange gifts and we bless our family members or those that that we care about. And we put these unique and special items, right? We, We put them in a box and we wrap them up and they look really pretty. Well, one thing about God and one thing I think Mary and, and maybe her youthful expectancy Maybe, maybe sometimes she just is, I think, this vibrant young woman, okay? I don't get it. 
but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with it. You know one thing, I, I think it's interesting, and I want us to remember just a couple things. The first one, would you write this down in your notes this morning? We can't put God in a box this Christmas. You can't box him in. You can't try to necessarily always understand him. You can't necessarily try to, to make everything he decides or he allows make sense because the reality is we see this over and over in Scripture. When God wants to do something, he does it, right? When God wants to use a shepherd boy to bring down a giant, it doesn't make any sense from a, a, a military standpoint, but God can do it. He can exceed and transcend expectations. He can do more. I think this is actually, I, I don't think, I know, this is actually biblical, right? He can do more than we can possibly, what, imagine, that we can expect. He can defy logic. He can, and you know what, sometimes I think we, we fall into this situation where we think, that makes sense for other people, but it doesn't make sense for me. And as we kind of kick off this, this month of December, I want to just encourage you, do you know that God can defy logic by using you, right? He can defy logic. He can defy your level of skills and use you. He can defy your level of education and use you. God can do what he wants to do. Let's look at verse 38, Mary's response. I am the Lord's servant. <laughs> May everything you have said about me come true. Can you, I, I, this is, look at this young lady. I am the Lord's servant. Some translations say I'll be your bond servant. May everything that you have said come true. And then the angel left her. As we talk about this story and this, this angel coming to Mary, if, if you have your Bible opened, and, and maybe if you're on a smartphone, you might need to just shuffle back a few verses, but if you'll notice, there is another story that's very similar right here in Luke chapter 1. There's some family members of Mary, right? And, and, and as we jump right into this, there is a couple that we are introduced to they are related to Mary, and in, in Luke chapter 1, it is known that this couple has no children. Uh, how many of you have ever been encouraged because you have witnessed someone else's story? How many of you have ever been encouraged by someone else's testimony? How many have ever right, developed a battle plan because someone already fought a battle similar to what you're facing, Right? And so I think of this story, and, and that's kind of what God decides to do. He, I, I think he encourages Mary because of what she is going to hear about. There's a couple that has no children. Scripture tells us this woman, Elizabeth, was barren. And the angel comes to a man named Zacharias. And if you have your Bible, would you just flip back? Go back to verse 11. Let's jump back to verse 11. And the angel in the very same chapter, look at this, it happens twice. He comes to Zacharias and he says, guess what, pal? This is like Abraham all over again. You're going to have a kid, right? You're going to be a father. Your wife is going to be a mother. You are going to have a child. Let's read about this story as well in Luke chapter 1. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Standing to the right of the incense altar, Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. There we go. We see that again? All right? The angel shows up, means business, right? But the angel said, 
Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcohol drinks. He will be filled with what? The Holy Spirit, even before his birth. And just a side note, even later in this same chapter, we want to talk about like what does Scripture have to say about social issues? What does Scripture have to say about things like life and when, when does it matter? When is it a life? When is it not a life? Well, if you just read Scripture, it says this child was filled with the Holy Spirit where? In where, right? In the womb. And even later in Scripture, we're going to see that the, that the baby leapt. When Mary showed up pregnant, the, the, the Bible says that the baby leapt and was filled right there. So anyways, so Scripture does have a lot to say about culture if we want to get into it. Verse 16, he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. And this is fulfilling a, a prophecy from uh, Malachi chapter 4. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now. And look at this. He throws his wife under the bus also. <laughs> My wife is also... I like how this translation sells it, sells it, says it though. It says, she's well along in years. I'm old. She's just well along. Probably a wise guy, right? He's a smart man, right? He's been married a while. So this is interesting because if you notice these two stories as we kick off Christmas here at, at Cornerstone, uh, Mary asked the same question. She asked a, a very legitimate question. How can this be? Zechariah, he, 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 Zechariah, he had a logical question. Like Mary, he says, Mary, Mary's like, uh, I'm a virgin. That's a logical thing. Zechariah says, how can this be? Um, I can't have a baby. I'm pretty old. And we don't need to describe other things, but we get it, right? And he says, my wife's going to have a baby. How is that possible? I'm an old man. She's well along in years. I think she's well advanced in years, says some translations. She's an old lady now. I'm an old man now. How can we have a baby through my wife Elizabeth? This, this is illogical. God, what you're saying, what you're declaring doesn't make any sense. And let's look at, again, what the angel of the Lord says. Verse 19. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring this good news. And look at this. He's, he's getting feisty here. Verse 20. Now since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. Oh. All right? It probably made Elizabeth's pregnancy so enjoyable. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> Can you, ladies, ladies, that's a good time to say amen. Imagine that. Like if your husband just couldn't speak the entire nine months, you'd be like, praise you, Jesus. Right? Right? I, right? I don't know. I'm just, I, scripture's fun sometimes. I just thought of that. That's kind of cool. Not for him, but maybe for her. But now, since you didn't believe what I said to you, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born, for my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. So here is the situation. 
This is the precursor. This is John the Baptist, the precursor to Jesus. And it's a very similar situation to that of Mary and what Joseph is, is going to face. Both of these situations bring to the surface something that is not only improbable, but seems impossible. Both situations, while impossible, we could say when something's impossible, we would need to see a, a miracle. Zechariah is old, his wife Elizabeth is old. Logic, common sense, science, biology, all of these things say this cannot happen and yet we have a similar situation. And I think what stands out to me in scripture possibly is that we have two very different reactions to the news of the impossible. We have two different heart responses to the news of something that isn't logical. It's interesting because we can obviously see both of these folks, Mary and Zechariah, they had doubts. Have you ever had a doubt, church? Have you ever had a doubt? Have you ever had questions about your faith? Have you ever had questions about your God? I hope so. I mean, can we say that, right? I hope so. I hope we wrestle with questions. I hope we wrestle with doubts. But it's interesting to me why they both had a similar emotion and expressed a similar idea. The angel tells Zechariah, because you don't believe, you won't be able to speak until it happens, is how he says it. But what does the angel tell Mary? He basically tells Mary, get ready. Get ready, because it's going to happen. This supernatural situation is going to become your reality. And they both had doubts. And we all have doubts. But I find it interesting as we get to number two, Zechariah, his doubt is met with a sense of discipline. He doubts and God brings discipline into his life. Mary doubts and God brings anticipation. Right? It's interesting. What, what, what is different about these two? Number two, don't go into the new year with just your own understanding, with your human understanding. I think some of us here today in 2023, we might be here today understanding that, God, we need to see you do the impossible. God, I, I need to see you do something not just improbable. I need the impossible. I, I need to see you do a miracle. And as we kind of jump into this, this, this message, don't go into the new year with your human understanding, right? With your, you're just relying on your education, relying on the information, relying on the news, relying on a, 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 a medical uh, uh, analysis, right? Because although those things can be helpful and important to keep in mind, could we say it like this? They don't determine what God can do, what he decides to do, what he's able to do, what he will do, or what he won't do. Scripture over and over reminds us that our understanding of an afinite God is very limited at best. We are very limited in, in scratching the surface and even beginning to understand what it is God might do. There's a song I love from uh, Hillsong United, and, and I wanted one day we'll do it at church, but there's a, a line that says, God, we're going to give you praise for what you might do next. Don't you love that, right? We're going to give you praise for what you might do next. Don't let information that you do know hinder 
your belief in the God that you do know. Right? Number three. If God said it, I don't have to understand it. We look at Mary's heart. What was different about these two people? They both have a very human reaction. Um, they both have, uh, they both doubted, for sure. All of us here have doubted, right? And I, I believe there's something going on internally in the heart of these two heroes of the faith, right? God knows the heart, and Mary's very words, I think, give us a glimpse and tell us about who she really is. Her very words, they, they both have doubt, but the angel, would you catch this? Go back to that scripture and find it with me. I should have marked it down. But the angel says to Zechariah, he says, because you do not believe. That's what he says to him. He says, because you do not believe. The miracle they needed actually led to Zechariah to his unbelief. And the miracle for Mary, I think this is the best way to describe it. For Mary, the miracle she needed, the miracle declared over her life, led her and her heart to say, what if that could happen? What if? All right, maybe. God, maybe. Look at Mary responded. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you said come true. And then the angel left her. She said, I, I don't understand it. It doesn't fit this reality that I live in. But you know what? If it, if it comes from God, I, I'll do it. If God said it, I don't have to understand it. If God said it, I don't have to figure it out. If God said it, I don't need to figure it out. Could we say it like this? Mary seemed to embrace that which she didn't understand. Mary seemed to embrace the impossible, supernatural situation she didn't understand. And sometimes when we embrace the supernatural, right, it allows God to enter into the natural. The person of Jesus the Christ child, the king, the reason we are all here, the reason we decorate, and the reason we put up Christmas trees, right? It really is. But here's the reality if you follow Christ. At some point, Jesus will become a problem for you. It gets quiet when you say that, right? If you decide to follow Jesus, at some point, Jesus becomes a problem. Because... The problem is, is Christmas is cute, and it's beautiful, and it's twinkle, twinkle, and the lights, and everything, right? I remember when I was a kid, there was a neighborhood somewhere in Las Vegas that they used to paint garages. Did anybody used to go to that back in the day? It was like the coolest neighborhood, right? They'd put like Disney scenes on a garage, and it was, it was super fun. It was back when like Christmas things were free. How many of us know, like, there's so much to do nowadays, but it's like a ticket for some of these Christmas experiences, like 40, 50 bucks a person. You're like, oh my goodness, right? But the problem with Jesus is kings don't exist to be cute. Kings exist to rule. Would you write that down? Kings don't exist to be cute and to look pretty and to stay in a manger, but kings exist to rule. And so each of us will have a moment, and we probably have these moments weekly, daily, where there is something we want that goes against Jesus. There's something that we desire internally that goes against Christ, and this is called like the battle between our flesh and the battle between the spirit, 
right? If you follow Jesus long enough, he will create a problem. And because there's scripture that like I love, and then there's scripture like this in John chapter 14, where Jesus himself said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. If you love me, you will love like I love. If you love me, you will obey my commandments, right? And the angel told Mary, nothing is impossible with God. And Mary's response is like, okay, I don't get it. I don't get it, but let's go. Zechariah, he, he doubted as if God, I think, Zach, maybe he was like a logical math type of guy. He, he doubted as if God needed to explain himself. All right, God, I'm old, my wife's old, what are you going to do about it? Like God has to spell it out for him, right? But he couldn't, he couldn't, he just couldn't seem to understand the how. He couldn't get past the biology of how can this happen. And then there's scriptures like this, John chapter 14, look at verse 21. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Danette, if you're here, could you come up and um, get ready to just close us on the piano as we get ready to come before the table of the Lord. As we talk about preparing our hearts for Christmas, not, not boxing God in, not deciding what he can or can't do, right? Because he's capable of doing abundantly more than anything we can imagine. Not relying on our own understanding. Being like Mary, you know, you, God, you said it, so I will do it. If you understand Christmas, then you would understand that Christ can and will very often surprise you. He can change things quickly. He can turn things around on the spot with a snap of a finger he can change directions he can give you a new life and a new destination and a new direction out of nowhere the angel came to mary god sent the angel and said now is the time think of it throughout all of history god god decided now is the time i'm going to change the world and i'm going to choose you someone who who nobody knows about Someone who nobody would expect. Mary was not a queen. She was not royalty. And God came to her and said, I'm going to use you to do this. I'm going to use you to accomplish and begin my kingdom. And I think here's what I want to close with. God is still in the business of using people that we least expect. Right? I think of that scripture where... God describes David where it's like man constantly, and we still do this, we look at the outer appearance, but God looks at what? The heart. And God is still in the business of using people that we don't expect him to use. Still in the business of working and doing the impossible. Still in the business of orchestrating his master plan to draw people into his presence, to draw people to his kingdom. Wow, right? That's what he is still working on today. And so if you believe that as we close, here's where I want to encourage you. Be light this Christmas, directing people to the true light of Christmas. Did we catch that? Right? Just directing people. What does light do in the darkness, right? It brings clarity, right? It brings, it brings direction. And that true light of Christmas is God's Son, Jesus. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. God, we come to you today. And Heavenly Father, we, we pray that you would speak to us today. Um, God, we pray that you would change lives in this hour today. Lord, as we close, we, 
ask that you would just change us and soften our hearts through the power of surrender. As Mary kind of just, in essence, she said, okay, God, I'm all yours. She said, I'm going to surrender to you. And through her came King Jesus. I want to ask you today, maybe you're here and you fit this description right now or lately of just living a... uh, you know what we get good at is living a partially surrendered life to Christ. Each of us probably have these areas. A partially surrendered life to Christ the King. I pray the Holy Spirit shows you that area of your life that you're just kind of holding on to, that you're partially not willing to let go of. Maybe you're here today and there's words of Jesus that stand out in Scripture to me like this. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God, but only those who do the will of my Father is. I want to ask you, where are you at with Jesus today? Are you certain of your standing with this King? Because this King came to establish His kingdom, His reign, His rule. We don't like the idea of kingdoms because of our culture. We love democracy, and it's been a wonderful experiment for our country, but really, we, we don't like the idea of kingdoms. Where are you at today with King Jesus? The Bible says that Jesus went to a cross. He grew up to die. And the Bible says after that, he rose again, and now he's reigning at the right hand of the Father, appealing to us today. For unto us a child is born, a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. See, Jesus, I believe, is the greatest gift you can receive this Christmas. Where are you at with Jesus? If you want to acknowledge Him as your Savior, I just want to ask you, would you lift your eyes? Would you lift your hand? Would you say, you know what? I knew knew to acknowledge His reign and His rule over my life. I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that. Lifting your hand To me, it just kind of is a simple way of physically acknowledging that scripture that says, if you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you in front of my Father, right? That acknowledgement can happen at home where nobody sees you online. That acknowledgement can happen right here. But one of the things I like to do is just encourage people, lift your eyes, lift your hand. I'm going to count to three. Would you just acknowledge Jesus in this house if that's you? One, two, and three. So anybody, I see you over there. I see you back there. I see you over here. Yes, man, I see you over there. I see you in the back. Any more on this, my left side over here. I see you back there in the back. I see you over here. I see you over here. God, we acknowledge your reign and your rule. If you lifted your hand, maybe you, you've done, maybe you did it years ago when you were younger. Maybe this was the very first time. If that was you, would you... Actually, can we all just pray together? Because I truly believe that is what Christmas is all about. Receiving, extending, and understanding the greatest gift that we have. Let's pray. Those seven or eight that lifted your hands, would you pray this with me in every voice in here? Can we just pray like a choir today? Father, we thank you for sending Jesus. Come on, say that. Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross. Help me live for you. Help me become a new creation. Thank you, God. Come on, let's say this. Thank you, God, for the gift of Jesus. Ah, I accept it freely. And help me share it freely. In 
Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This morning, yeah, that's, that's amazing. God, we... It's amazing when we get to experience God drawing us to Him. Right? As we close today, it's the first Sunday of the month, and we have our food pantry, a way to serve, a way to be the hands and feet of Jesus. One of the things I love is that as Jesus grew up, he didn't leave us with a list of so many, so many rules, did he? But he did say to to love people. He did talk about, you know what, you need to be baptized. And he did say, when you take communion, would you just remember me? Would you acknowledge me? Because around this time of year, again, it's the, the theme on my heart is that, yes, it's exciting that that baby came, but I always want to remember what he came for, right? That baby literally came to, that, that cross was lying in a cradle, right? There was a mission that he came to accomplish, a program that he came to establish, and that would only happen through him becoming the very last sacrifice. And so as we get ready to take communion, do you have your cup? Does anybody need one? If you need one, slip your hand in the air. But let's go ahead and begin. Jesus at the Last Supper, he grew and he he was with his disciples and he said, this is my body broken for you. Would you take it? Would you eat? Would you do this in remembrance of me? Can we do that, church? Jesus took the cup. He turned it over and he said, this is the cup representing this new covenant. And his disciples were very well aware of the sacrificial system, but they weren't aware of the sacrifice they were sitting with, right? Jesus said, this is the cup This is my blood. It's going to be poured out for you. It's going to be shed for you. It's it's going to be the final covering you will ever need. It covers, for those of you that have you accepted Christ today for the first time, let me tell you, this is pretty good news. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, it, it covers what you used to be. It covers what you are now, and it covers those sins you're going to commit tomorrow. Those things we're going to think about tomorrow. The Bible says that Jesus' blood is the final sacrifice for us, which is pretty amazing news. Can we take and we drink and we do this in remembrance of him? Could you stand to your feet? I love this Christmas song. It says, adore, come let us adore him. Let all that is within me adore As we close today, could we lift our voices and sing this chorus? Adore, oh come let us adore, oh come let us adore Him, the Lord, the Lord, worship Christ. All that is, let all that is. 
Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those who give to Cornerstone. You know, it's because of you, our ministry, it's possible. Uh, You can click the link in the description to give now or visit us at cornerstonelv.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe. You can share it with friends, share it with family. Help us spread God's word. You can also join us live every Sunday. We invite you 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We stream service live. Thank you again for listening.